You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I want us to uh, take a look at, at something this morning <clears throat> that I think we all accept to be true. We've heard it so many times. We all generally agree with the concept, but very few truly understand it deeply. And even fewer are moved to live by what they see. And I want to introduce the topic, if you'd go with me to Colossians chapter 1. God has fully engaged us this morning. Elizabeth's vision of this castle and the radiance of it should spark our hearts to recognize that we, that we are partakers in a kingdom whose light will shine forever. I heard the other day, just in the news, that scientists are a bit confused why right now the universe is expanding at a rate faster than they've ever seen. Now, I don't know how they know that. I don't know how they determine the speed of ever-increasing universe. But I do know that when, when God spoke, let there be light, that there would be no end to where that light would go. It came out of his mouth at the speed of light, and you can imagine the distance that it's covered ever since. Because what would ever stop it? What would bind it? And what would restrict it? Colossians chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. We don't debate this much. We've heard it so many times that his body is us. His body represented consistently in the scripture is the church. We can't separate these two things. We hear it firmly stated in 1 Corinthians 10, 17. It says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we need to recognize some things this morning. There's some things that have to be drawn and brought to our attention. The scripture is full of this message. The church is one body in Christ in Romans. The body of Christ in Ephesians 4, 12. The body in Hebrews 13, verse 3. It's a powerful metaphor all the way throughout the New Testament and one that gives us the opportunity this morning as Beverly has seen to speak into something and to see something happen according to this truth. It gives us the opportunity to stress so fully the importance of each of us knowing his or her God-given identity. I spoke in Bible study this morning about this, about this strange place where we have found ourselves as a Christian church, especially us here, because we recognize that over the past 11 years and even beyond that, so much of our negative perception of ourself has been erased. God has spoken and God has shown us that we carry history and we carry baggage and we carry those false things that the world has told us about ourselves. Our history has told us in many ways, I'm not important, I'm worthless, I'm weak, 
I'm lost. I mean, the, 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 the world is shouting those things at us this morning. But many of those negative things have been laid down. But the thing that happened is that now we stand in front of a blank canvas and we're failing to let God pick up the brush and paint. We know what's been removed. We just haven't let him establish in front of us who we are. And I tell you, there's, been, there, there's a great consequence to it. Because as I said back here this morning, if I'm standing there watching God paint a picture of me, and as he's painting, I, I suddenly see as he picks up the brush, and I see this circle form, and I know it's a shield that he's attaching to my arm, and I, I look down as he's painted, and there's a sword on my hip. I will suddenly understand that I am a warrior. If he begins to paint and he paints me at this altar on my knees, I will know that I'm an intercessor. You see, what happens when he begins to paint is I begin to understand who I am. I gain strength there. I gain power there. I gain gain direction there. Plans are formed there because I begin to see him paint this picture of me. But then I notice the longer he paints, the less it looks like me. Who does it begin to look like? It begins to look like him. And then I've been, and I, and I stand there and wait and realize that he sowed me, united me, fit me purpose, perfectly and purposefully with you so that I stand a little bit longer and I realize he's not painting just me. He's painting us in one body called Christ. One body. I tell you this morning that we, we need to stand and let God paint. Let his word, his spoken word, his written word begin to, begin to paint a picture of who we are. Because if we don't, we will see ourselves in the least version instead of the most dynamic version that he wants to paint. I tell you this morning, he's ready to pick up the reds and the yellows and the blues and the greens because we have painted him in gray and in beige, and he's saying, I want to be painted with the fullness of who I am in my body. Let me paint. Let me show you who I am so that you can fully understand who you are. As I've mentioned over the past few weeks, religion emphasizes and encourages uniformity. Religion wants us to be good church attenders, Religion wants us to be good tithers, good Bible readers, good at being involved as teachers and ushers and committee members, and good at having a quiet time. Religion will tell us these things that all good Christians do and try to get us to look more and more alike. Relationship, on the other hand, emphasizes and encourages unity. He truly loves the diversity and the uniqueness in each person. There's a reason that you don't look like anybody else here. There's a reason why you won't act like anybody else here. Because God so designed you to have a unique purpose and not to to have to surrender that to be like someone else. He values our differences. 
What religion has a hard time tolerating, God in relationship truly loves. Every color, every race, every creed, every socioeconomic group, every size, every shape of, of our bodies, God has so designed us that we will fit perfectly together because with all of those differences, we're unified by the fact that we can all be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the bond that holds all of these unusual pieces together. Isn't that amazing? That as unusual as we are, diverse as we possibly can be, he's established in us one spirit so that each one of us recognizes that he would not have made the story complete without us. I want us to return to 1 Corinthians 12. We mentioned a verse from there a while ago. We'll find a great purpose in this amazing design of the church that, that found its purpose in the heart of God. I want to begin with, uh, with verse 18. But now, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. Isn't that great? He knew what he wanted. He knows what he wants. He fits us together. It's not up to us to try to figure this out. He already knows. He's already established it. He's already established those purposes, and he has fit us together. It's his design, and it is not mine. And again, I am amazingly grateful. Eleven plus years ago now, as I was beginning this ministry as your pastor, one of the things he assured me gave me with an absolute certainty was that he had to build this church, that he had, a, he had something in his mind, he had a design, and I had to let him, we have to let him build it. We can't get upset when people come and go because he has a purpose, he has a building, he has a, he has a, a way of establishing us according to a design that he has in his mind. So he set us in place, every one of them, it says, in his body as it pleased him. Again, now just as he said numerous times as he was teaching his disciples and he taught others, he said consistently now, look at me, look at my body and see the Father. We hear it in John chapter 14 when Thomas comes and Thomas has arrived late. And so Jesus is reminding him of some things. John 14, beginning with verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Jesus said it repeatedly. Look at me and see him. Look at my actions. Look at what I do. Look at what I say. Look at how I move in obedience. And you will see the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Isn't it still to be true today as well? Has anything changed? If he was going to say, by my body, you can see him, could he not say of his church, my body, you can see him? 
Do you see why it's necessary that it be his design according to his strength, his power, his purpose? Because who are we? We are the body of Christ to do now what he did then. It's not his teaching. It's not his requirements. It's not his laws. It's not his demands. It's not his expectations. They should be able to see him. Absolutely yes to see him. When wisdom and joy and peace and encouragement and laughter and hospitality stand side by side, now filled and jointly fit together by his spirit, the Father comes plainly into view. You see it? I'd like to introduce myself. He calls me wisdom. He calls me enabler. Hi, I'm Sierra Beauty. Hello, I'm beautiful and amazing. Good morning, I'm Joy. I'm son of Barnabas. Good morning, I'm Guardian. Hi, he calls me truth. He calls me courage. He calls me compassion. He calls me redeemed daughter. He calls me kind friend. He calls me peace. I know there are many of you sitting here who know your name, but also know that there are some sitting here wondering, how did they come to know this? How did they come to know that God wasn't so much about what they were doing, but about what he has made, who he's made you to be? The Christian church has told us that what God loves is how busy we are. God has told us very plainly, no, he loves who he made you to be. Beverly has said it this morning. If you want to know, how did these get it? God whispered it to them they heard it I heard it and I can stand today and know that I don't have to be everything because I get to stand right here side by side with kind friend with with peace with joy with, with Barnabas with encouragement I get to stand side by side arm in arm so when the world sees his body, they see all the components of the Father. They see everything that the Father is. And I don't have to do anything. What I do will come naturally out of who I am. But what an amazing picture because this is his body. You are, we are his body. And we know, we can know who he says that we are he loves us I tell you what he wanted so desperately to put his signature on this moment that he would establish his Beverly's truth because he could see this moment and he wanted you to know that it was him before he ever did it he wanted you to know that he had put his signature on this morning so that you and I would know that we have a purpose 
fitly together. You know, we, don't look, we don't look alike. Perfectly fit together. No one excluded. No one missing. No one unimportant. No one that's not vital. Because we're not going to move well if each of these components isn't present in this story. We have unfortunately, why is this morning so important? Because somehow, strangely, and I don't know exactly how we got here, I'm I'm sure there's thousands of paths by which we arrived, but Jimmy came up two weeks ago and shared a word with me that just kept, he just kept hearing. And the word was apathy. And, and Jimmy, that was a word for me. Because I have found myself in a strange mental and emotional place for several weeks. It wasn't apathy that I was concerned about, though I realized how that connected. But when you don't have a clear picture of what God's painting, the natural step is to, is to step back and move much, much more slowly. And I had found myself in, the, in that position. But it also showed me that the Christian world has now approached God in almost a take-it-or-leave-it type of a proposition. If it works today, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. If, if, if I, if, if, and we've, we've approached it that way. Most of us live in this kind of mentality that I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm, all right. I'm okay with God. He understands. He understands why I think the way I think and the way I act the way I he's, he's very understanding. He's very compassionate. He understands. He gets me. And we have turned that into an extremely uh, difficult, take-it-or-leave-it proposition within his body. First of all, we have to recognize that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We know that scripture. And as we have just recognized, we have a unique design that establishes him and his purpose. I was designed in the heart of God to be a gift to you. I was designed in the heart of God not to satisfy myself, but as a gift to you. If we ever get that backwards, the body will look real strange. The body will begin to move in terms of religion because religion wants to satisfy itself. Relationship wants to satisfy you. If I don't understand that I'm a gift to you and I move in the body according to that, recognizing that my wisdom was not given to me for me, I'm glad to be able to use it, but my wisdom was given to me as an identity for you, joy for you, peace for you, a friend for you. And what happens when I withdraw myself in this take-it-or-leave-it mentality is that the world doesn't get to see the fullness of his body. Let's return to, to 1 Corinthians 12 for just a moment. 
I'll begin reading with verse 19. If they were all one member, where would the body be? So not uniformity. But now there are many members, but yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. I can't say to someone whose name is joy, someone whose name is encouragement, someone whose name is Barnabas, someone whose name is peace. I can't say to that person, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more that these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Some of you are sitting here today and have removed yourself from this story as totally unimportant because you see yourself as feeble and I will assure you that you are not. That is the world trying to create something about you that is absolutely untrue. And these members of the body which we think be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Boy, powerful words in there. I want you to get this. God has tempered the body together. Tempered the body. What does that mean? Tempered the body is one phrase in Greek. It means tempered and together are the same word. It means to mix together or to commingle, to unite, cause the several parts to combine into an organic structure, which is the body, to unite one thing to another. Can my heart say to my brain, I have no need of you? No. Can my lungs say to my heart, I don't need you any longer? No. Why? Because he created this organism out of many parts, each one being equally vital, even those that I may say are so little and so insignificant are necessary to the proper function. What happens when we remove ourselves from the body? And I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about the people sitting here. I'm talking about the true church. Those believers, everywhere we find them, in our homes, on, on, in, in, in restaurants, on airplanes, wherever we find the body, we are functioning together, co-mingled. And what happens? You know, we, we, we used to buy in the oil field a lot of tempered steel. What would be the likelihood that I could start with a pair of tweezers and get that piece of steel in front of me and start picking out the different parts. It would be even a ridiculous, ridiculous exercise. What would be the possibility that God would allow someone commingled with somebody else to ever be removed so that the commingling gets undone? What's the likelihood of that? It's not even possible. The body of Christ has been so commingled, tempered together, done in the heat of fire, to make sure that each component is seen as necessary and vital and cannot be removed. You do not get to stand alone. You do not get, as I said earlier in Bible study back there, we, 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 we don't get, he doesn't paint a portrait. He paints a class picture where all of us are included, a family portrait. Why commingled? Why mixed together? Return with me to verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body. There it is. Why tempered? So that there would be no schism in the body. I can, I can fully accept that we're different. Think different. See differently. Approach things differently. And can find no reason 
to disagree with the majesty of what God has created and how he made us different. But I will tell you that he does not want by his spirit that is now sewing us all together. Every person standing up here, what we can't see is that invisible bond that connects one to the other, which is the Holy Spirit. The connection, that, that fiber that sews us all together so that there would be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored and all the members rejoice with it. It's profoundly simple. His body can only be recognized when those who, are truly, who truly believe fully understand who he is and then who he says we are and that we are unwaveringly linked together, inseparable. We have this idea. We've been taught this idea. Was that God? <laughs> Just curious. We have this idea that we were designed to live almost from valley to valley. We see ourselves as leaky vessels. And that there's going to be times when we're full and there's going to be times when we're empty. And we've accepted that. We even promote it, teach it, explain it, that, that yes, there's going to be valleys in our life and there's going to be these good times and there's bad times because I'm a leaky vessel. Or we describe it as a roller coaster. I will tell you, that's not what God says. He says he's moving us from glory to glory to glory. That doesn't mean that these waves may not crash against us. But I want to tell you that castle will stand. And that light will shoot out of those windows. And it will be a penetrating light. Because we're moving from glory to glory to glory. Don't be fooled. Don't be convinced otherwise. Remember. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And there has to be a battle to get to the victory. But we're moving. Yeah. Yeah, we won't know the strength until we know the size of the battle. But when we see the victory, we move from victory to victory to victory. I tell you this morning, God has so put on display the beauty of his body, linked together by the Holy Spirit, so that we collectively can move from glory to glory. To glory. What is confusing about this? You, when, you, when you remove yourself, for whatever reason, whatever happens, and you see yourself as unimportant, not vital, who's going to stand in your place? Who's going to be there? And again, I'm not talking about in this body. This is, it's true here. But it's so much bigger than this body that is sitting in this sanctuary this morning. Because I'm, I am linked, forged together, tempered together with every believer on the face of the earth. The church. 
his body. Now, I hope, absolutely hope that here in this body in sundown, we are representing that, that in here where what we're supposed to be doing in this community and in that school. But our design is so much larger than that. And the world keeps trying to put this, this rope around us and hold us back and discourage us and frustrate us. And we yield to it because we don't recognize he's moving us from glory to glory to glory. I'm going to do something. I'm probably going to about to embarrass two people, but I guess it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at Tony and Melissa right here. And they have, uh, they've, they've been in a fight, a battle, not with each other, with, with the things that have come against them. But I had lunch with Melissa this week, and she said, we're working it out. They're fighting together for the best that God has. Lift them up in prayer because they can't hurt without us hurting. We are the body. And what member can hurt and the rest not feel it? Lift them up in prayer. Encourage them every chance you get because we're watching them move from glory to glory to glory to find the fullness of who God has made them to be together. This is the the story. This is the picture. This is the victory. Lord, I thank you this morning that you have put yourself so abundantly on display shown us what we could not have otherwise seen. You have done it in prophetic truth. You have done it in visions. You have done it, Lord. You know, Danny, just, Danny, what was the prophecy over you? That you would be a, well, there was another one, like with, with cars coming up on your back. Yeah. Well, I was, as Amy was sharing this morning, when you, when you gave the answer, why? What did you say? Children. On your back. Prophecy coming true. Being what he, what he made us to be. Lord, we thank you. We, we, we get to see this. Even this morning, the fulfillment of prophecy. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are bringing healing to Tony and Melissa and their family. And the excitement that I hear in them as they get to be together. And Lord, take them where you, where, what you, into a place where you can see and only you can see. Bring Tony into the fullness of who he is as the leader of this family. The setter of the direction according to your path. I lift him up and thank you for him. For that heart that beats in him. And that strength that you gave him when he became your child, let it, let it just rise up in him. Let it rise up in him. Pray it over him right now this morning for victory when there's questions, overcoming instead of coping. Whisper this morning, God. Whisper names. To some it will be light. To some it will be love. To some, it will be warrior. To some, it will be friend. To some, it will be wisdom. 
To some, it will be grace. To some, it will be joy. To some, encouragement. Speak to us in the quietness of your voice. And let the church arise in the understanding that you bought us, paid for us by your blood, that we might stand today united together, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that our uniqueness can be put on display. You don't want to take away who we are. You want to let who we are radiate in beauty by exposing it by your Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.